I'm Susan Branscombe, and this is Leading She. I mean, we're a small company, but we said, okay, we're going to mail a million catalogs. And those catalogs had a window of delivery like September 9 to September 14, and then 9-11 hit. And if you got a catalog in the mail during that time, you ignored it because we all thought the world was ending. Donna Salyers is founder and CEO of Donna Salyers Fabulous Furs, a luxury faux fur and accessory company which sells product in 46 countries. She is truly a born entrepreneur and has built the success of her business by providing excellent service and high quality products. Fabulous Furs recently celebrated its 30 year anniversary. Throughout the company's history, Donna has responded to a constantly changing fashion industry many times. Her positive energy and enthusiasm are contagious. Enjoy listening to Donna Salyers. Donna founded the company 30 years ago. Fabulous Furs was 30 Fabulous years Furs ago. Fabulous Furs was 30 Bridal years ago. Bridal is a brand new idea, only about 11 years old. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, and I'm going to read just a couple of sentences here that I think I got from LinkedIn just to kind of set up. And I want you to explain, you know, how you started Fabulous Furs, why you started it, and kind of the story behind it. Uh, beginning in 1989, 30 years ago, in the basement of her Cincinnati home, Donna has grown Fabulous Furs into a multi- channel company operating through catalog, internet, retail, and wholesale. Through primarily a catalog, fabulous fur items are sold in fine boutiques, hotels, and casinos throughout the country, as well as by retail giant Shop HQ, Saks Fifth Avenue, and Neiman Marcus. And I think you're doing some things in Australia with Evine as well, right? Well, it's a different company. Okay. You know, there are shopping networks all over the world. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are on TVSN in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. So that means I think I've made seven trips to Sydney to be on TV there. And yeah. it's not that warm. No, it's <laughs> I not mean, warm. they have palm trees in uh, Sydney, but, you know, we've been very well received. So we're thrilled to be in a continent mm-hmm. south of the equator because they're. Winter matches our summer, right. so we're there, not so a, busy when I go there, mm-hmm. so that's great. That's a long flight, but I'm sure it's worth it with the marketing. That's all right. I can watch on. movies the whole way. That's right. Yeah, you can. <laughs> uh, well, tell me why you started Fabulous Furs, what it was like when you first started it, what kind of company it was, and kind of how it evolved uh, over that time. We'll talk about what you did before, but I'd like to hear more about – I'm familiar with the company. We've known each other a while, and uh, but I'd like to hear from you and tell our tell our listeners about it. Well, thank you. First, I'm delighted to be here. Oh, it's, glad to have you. It's, it's yeah. a privilege. Well, when I started Fabulous Furs, I was totally clueless. I started in my basement. I had nothing, nothing that would qualify me to run a catalog business. And fortunately, we've had really good people come along and take over the reins as we got bigger and bigger. But I actually, I have to back up and say, I was from a very poor family from Covington, 
And I started making my own clothes when I was seven because I thought that was so cool and I would have pretty things that my family couldn't afford. So Mm -hmm. I was happy to do that. And I had a grandma who did alterations in all the finest stores and she sewed designer clothing. So she knew how to teach me to do really beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And, And then when my kids were in diapers and they're now in their 40s, I wrote a letter to the editor at the Enquirer and said, your sewing column is so awful. Even I could write a better one. And they contacted me and said, send us six samples. We agree. It's horrible. And I wasn't sure I knew six good ideas, but I did. I put them on paper and I had a job. I I was now a newspaper writer on sewing and fashion. And I didn't know how to write, but if you write a column weekly, you'll quickly learn. You learn how to write. Were you looking for a job? Were you no, looking for that? You just said, hey, not. this is a really bad column. Right. You guys need to know. It was serendipitous, and it was okay. really unexpected. And so now that I'm this expert, uh, there was a man in Cincinnati, Charlie Murdoch, who was looking for uh, cable TV programming. Cable was in its infancy. And he needed anybody who knew any subject that he could put a half-hour TV show on, and that would be me. And so I ended up with a national TV show called Sewing Etc., etc. And it was in 1983, and it was on national, and I had to go to New York to produce some of these shows, and I was scared spitless. I was to go to New York. I've never even been there, and to do a TV show, good Lord. So I go, and I re- and here's how it happened. We did a, a show at the home of Ole Cassini because Simplicity was our sponsor, Ole Cassini was designing for simplicity. So simplicity we, patterns. Yes, right? yes, correct. I Thank remember you. simplicity. Of course, they live today. Right. And uh, so at Ole Cassini's home, where we're doing this taping a couple shows, his uh, cook and uh, you know cleaning lady walks in. She's saying, do you all need anything before I walk out to the grocery? As she pulls on her full-length mink coat. And I'm thinking, she's got a mink coat. Where's mine? And so I knew we didn't have the money. So I went home and said, I am not going back to New York until I have a full-length mink coat. Mm -hmm. And, of course, that was not going to happen unless I made it. But by then, I knew a few mills, and I could say, hey, I I would love to write about faux fur. I found some really nice fake fur from a mill in Tennessee that died Mm -hmm. years and years ago. Made my coat, finished it the night before I get onto the airplane, and I wore it in New York, and it stopped traffic. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was Black Fox, and people love that coat. I love that coat. And, I mean, restaurants couldn't check it because they couldn't take responsibility for a coat so fabulous, so expensive. But it was not It was real. fake. I had made it the night before. But it looked real, it right? It was beautiful. Yeah. It looked very authentic. So I knew what fake fur could do because I lived it for five years until I wore that coat so many times I could not stand to look at it. It was like a maternity dress. I said, oh, <laughs> 
I'm time buying myself a full <laughs> length coat. Yes, it's time. <laughs> and by then, I had socked away $5,000 in cash, unbeknownst to my lovely, wonderful, supportive husband, Jim. And I'm on my way. I'm going to drop off my columns at the Enquirer. And somebody's having a first sale, a first salon in downtown Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I've got my $5,000 in cash in my little grimy palm. And I'm going to treat myself to a full length mink coat and surprise Jim. And as I'm driving, Paul Harvey, who was a, everybody's favorite radio broadcaster yeah, at the time, to him and I, I loved Paul too. Harvey. Yeah. Just a great storyteller. Mm-hmm. He's describing, he was very, uh, he had a heart for animals, and he's describing this um, very unethical toy manufacturer in London and how they would skin kittens alive and pass them off as mink teddy bears. And of course, what would I think? I'm about to buy a full length kitty coat. What? I can't do that, but I've got $5,000. I know how people reacted to my coat in New York. I'll start a company. I'll start a fake fur coat kit company with my $5,000, and so I did. And that's when we opened in 1989. It took me a year to get everything together. And so we. Uh, st- I started in my basement with one product, and I look back and think, what was I thinking? <laughs> there is not a chance in anywhere that this would ever work. But here we are 30 years later. Right. A totally different company, a lot of growth, uh, international, national. We're sold in 46 countries. I know, I know. It's, it's hard to name 46 it's countries. It's based here in Cincinnati, in Northern in Kentucky. In Covington, yes. yes. Northern Kentucky. Yes. So, yeah, and your products are wonderful. Thank I've you. purchased a lot of them. Thank you. And, no but, one is more surprised than I. I yeah. I'm thrilled. So 30 years later, you're, you know, if you had, if you had, somebody had told you, you're in the basement, you're sewing these, you know, black fox fake furs in your basement mm-hmm. that 30 years later, you'd still be in business and it would be this Are you company. nuts? <laughs> you wouldn't have believed it. No. But you know something you did with the Inquirer that is just so rare? I mean, you might not, maybe you don't think it's rare, but to take initiative and say, your column really is not good. You know, you really need to have a better column. People don't do that often. It's very, very unusual. Nor to do, do they that. say to an unknown, unseasoned writer, "Sure, let us do right. it." And then they come back to you and say, "Well, why don't you try it?" And it's like, "Okay." And you, you know, you weren't an experienced writer necessarily, but no. you dove in. You might have been nervous or afraid. Will I do this? But you did it anyway, right? Yeah. And well, that's, that's what I see well, about you. you. You're thank very you. positive and thank you, you take initiative. You went to New York. You're doing the, the TV show. You hadn't done that before. You didn't, you, you didn't let the fear stand in your way. You I know, guess. my stomach hurts just thinking about those days. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time ago, Donna. You come yes. a long way. <laughs> yes. Thank God. it for the grace of God. Because retail, oh, my Lord, retail is so volatile. What a fickle industry. Oh, my what a goodness. Fickle industry. And now it's even more so. And so mm-hmm. for us to have survived 30 years right. and to totally evolve from a sewing kit Right. Nobody sews today. Absolutely sews. no one. So you were making these kits it was for women kit. to sew their own For about the first furs. six years, mm-hmm. the first six years, we were kits. Mm-hmm. And then, so we started in 1989. And uh, in the early 90s, that's when China imports started coming in. And clothing became very inexpensive. inexpensive. So before that, women sewed to save money. They sewed to have something special, but... Many 
episode to save money because Mm -hmm. I can make it for, you know, a pittance compared to what it's going to cost in in a department store. And so um, I was, it was luck or unluck that now nobody sews anymore. Nobody sews, but that's what do I do now? Right. I can't sell sewing kits. Nobody's sewing. Right. Market has changed. You have to change. And that's what entrepreneurs do. They have to stay aware of the trends that are changing and adapt their companies to shift into those changes. So you couldn't do sewing kits anymore. Those mm-hmm. weren't selling. So then where did you take it from there? Mm, wow, we hit us. We, and I'm sure it's just like that in the mortgage business. You say, oh, good Lord, what happened to the rates? Right. Now rates, what? Rates Rewrite are, everything, kids. Right. All rates are almost five over. now. Or then right I, now they're back down to oh, under four and yeah. three. So, I mean, it's a roller Until coaster. Until they go up to 12 It's a little something. psycho. But you've got to adapt yes. to just what's going on. You know, just be very nimble. And uh-huh. move uh-huh. with the market and, and make changes. You can't do things the way you've always uh-uh. done them. And how many examples do we know of big companies that say, oh, well, Folgers will always be our, always be sold, always be our Until you know, single coffee. serve comes along. Until Starbucks comes along. Right. And it's like, you know, Procter & Gamble, you could have done that. Yeah. And you missed it because of you're, you're right. so big and ego. You weren't watching the trends. <laughs> So, yeah, retail is very fickle. And right now, of course, we've got so many things going on with retail, with omni-channel and online sales. And uh, retailers really having to look at their strategy. It's breathtaking, Susan. Let me tell you. Yeah, I know. I know. But then I tell myself, uh, you know, the the young gals that I work with uh, who are wonderful, absolutely wonderful, I say, it's always been this way. It was ever right. thus. It will al- something will always come along and blindside us mm-hmm. and say we won't be doing it this way anymore. Right. But in our case, one of the biggest things that happened was we're, we're a kit company, and uh, uh, the San Francisco Chronicle wrote a story about fabulous furs. They didn't even take the time to call me and say, "Hey, do you want to give us any information?" They just wrote about it. And I had a call from Loretta Swit, and she was um, like, everybody watched MASH. It oh, was a okay. big sure. TV show, and she was one of the stars. Right. Hot and Lips she, Yes, <laughs> yes. Hot Lips Hooligan? Hoolahan. Hoolahan. Yeah. Okay, so she called, and she said, hey, I read about your company in the San Francisco Chronicle. I don't know how to sew, but I want one of your coats. And she said, I'm sure you can take care of it. And I said, oh... I'll just turn it over to the ready-to-wear department. And that night, I was the ready-to-wear <laughs> department in my kitchen, and I made her code and sent it out the next day. And she started showing it around Hollywood, and it was amazing. You know, she right. showed it to Rue McClanahan and mm-hmm. all the – on to designing women and on to Golden Girls. And, right. and pretty soon, we're like Hollywood, and that was very early and, you know, that was in the early 90s when we're still a kid company. And it was things like that that served as a huge validation to mm-hmm. me because it's one thing to be in Covington and think, hey, this is really great. But when Hollywood, Hollywood does in it. New York and Broadway. Right. And part of that holy is. Holy cow. It, it's. It's fairly a reputation for being fairly liberal, you know, Hollywood mm-hmm. and New York. Right. And there is an anti 
animal abuse, you uh-huh. know, attitude. So, I mean, I've seen your your uh, your coats on soap operas when I used to watch the all my operas. children. You know, we used to be on multiple soap operas in right. one day. Right. And it's I like, mean, oh, there's a Donna coat. Yeah, you, you see them. Do you believe this, Susan Lucci? You right, know, all these people <laughs> yeah. that Erica that Kane. The soap operas right. are gone. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They are yes. gone. But they did. Yes. I I knew those were your furs because they weren't going Thank to you. wear real furs. Yes. And you know, yes. back then, I remember I. There was a time when I really wanted a fur. It was mm-hmm. a status symbol. It was yes. like you've arrived. Yes. You were so elegant and glamorous yes. wearing a fur, you know, on a cold winter night to the, a play or the opera or something. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah, the growth. I think one of my favorite stories, although it's not a... It's not a positive story, but it was just it just spoke to your endurance and persistence and that was what happened around 9/11. And oh. we were coming out of, you know, some issues in the economy around 98 with the Russian ruble and all that. And then it was kind of the the economy was coming back and mm-hmm. then 9/11 hit. Right, it did. And you had geared up, you printed catalogs, developed, you know, right. built your inventory right. and what we happened? We were hot shots in in 2000 and one because mm-hmm. we said, you know, we can put a million catalogs in the mail in one mailing, and we can handle it. And so we lay, and we said, let's give it a try. W- what have we got to lose? Oh, only five million dollars or so. But I mean, we're a small company, but right. we said, okay, we're going to mail a million catalogs. And those catalogs had a window of delivery, like September nine to September fourteen. And then 9-11 hit, and if you got a catalog in the mail during that time, you ignored it because we all thought the world was ending. You know, right. we who knew Boy. what was mm-hmm. going to happen? Were we going to be attacked on the other coast? Or we didn't know. It was just what a was crazy. Happen. We were all in shock. Right. Shock. And, and so, things froze. The economy froze. Yeah. Nobody was doing anything. How could you think about ordering from a mail order catalog right. when the country is under attack? Right. And so it was just a horrible, horrible time for everyone. And not just because we had mailed a million catalogs, but what it meant was that those million catalogs, we could have thrown them into the river and had more results. And so, of course, we had hired people. To, we uh, added phone lines, ramped up our call center. That means you ramp up all your inventory and uh, wait for the phones to ring. And, of course, they didn't. Didn't ring. And it was just dreadful. Mm. And so what what could we do? We've got to get rid of this. We can't even make payroll. And so uh, I said, well, we'll have a 50% off sale. Okay, let's just, we'll lose money on it, but we've at, at least, least we'll reduce inventory, the inventory right? and bring in a little cash to keep us afloat. And so that's what we did. And like in the next year, people would call and say, Donna, when's the 50% off sale? I say, never, (laughs) never, maybe, never. Never again. No, but it was just a... Awful, awful. Time. Yeah. What did you What did you learn from that uh, as an entrepreneur? Don't be a hot shot. Don't, don't be a hot shot. Don't <laughs> expect that just because you think it'll work. I guess I would do the same thing again. We're risk yeah. takers. You have to take risk right. as an entrepreneur, but right. nobody saw that coming. No. And you no. couldn't have predicted it. Right. We didn't. Right. Couldn't predict. We no. were, you know, sucker punched. Right. 
Right. And yeah. and so you couldn't right. have predicted it. So it's like well, now what do you do? Right. Now what do you do? Yeah. You have to do something Tread to make water. it right. Do the fifty percent off. I, well, I know what we did. We had to lay off a lot of people and mm-hmm. hated that. Right. And it meant that those of us who remained answered phones all day. And then about five o'clock, we headed to the warehouse to pack any orders that were coming in. And we just you know worked till nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. Come in early and stay late and right. do what you can. And we and survived. You still don't know what's going to happen. We survived. You That's know. right. But yeah. you've always been such a positive person. Have you surrounded yourself, husband, advisors, uh, to kind of talk you off the ledge and, and tell you that everything's going to be okay? Well, I'd have to say <laughs> my husband is, is amazing because he's lived through all the things that I've <laughs> thrown his way. And he's an entrepreneur himself. Mm-hmm. He's always been and in commercial jump. real mm-hmm. estate. And uh, so it, it, he's, he's saved my life so many times. And then we got to the point where, hey, you know what? I get to turn around and save your life. And, you know, yeah, if you need 50, I bet I can 50,000. I'll find it, Jimmy. It, it's <laughs> pay it back soon. But, you right. know, so yeah. he's been amazing. And my kids and, and so many people who have been with the company like 20 years. Or right. 22 years. So, yeah, I, I've right. been extremely blessed and lucky and all those things. Right. Yeah, I remember when I first started my company, I would wake up in the night, kind of uh-huh. like one of those two o'clock, uh-huh. you wake up and you're just, you know, just like cold, just like this cold, chilled fear. And my husband was, of course, sleeping like a log. I'd wake him up. I'm like, <laughs> is it going to be okay? He's like, it's going to be okay. I'm like, okay. And so I go back to sleep. Really? I <laughs> yeah, would just get up that. and work. I would just get up. I and did s- that. If I couldn't go back to sleep, I would yeah. get up and, and work. Yeah. And uh, just be because of, partly because of fear and partly because of drive, kind of that mix of fear and drive. Is and that what saves you on those precarious moments? It does. The fear does. The fear drives me to work mm-hmm. harder. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't like that. I'd rather work out of just sheer passion and love of the business. But often I just feel like um, yeah, I, I don't want to fail and I want this to succeed. So I will do whatever I you know, whatever I need to do, I will do it. And you're the same way. Well, I you're, love that about you. I think yeah, that's I, I'm an wonderful. entrepreneur. I'm driven. I, I, I do it. And I will not take, you know, kind of like no for an answer. I just kind of keep going. I just persist. I got that from my mom. My mom was somebody that, you know, raised, you know, my father was not that, he was there, but he wasn't as involved as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so she, all the responsibility for the kids, my sister and me, w- fell on her shoulders. And and she was a career woman, and so she did everything. And she went through some tough things in her life, but she just got up and just did it. And I saw that. Good example. Yeah, good example. So, but that's what we have to do as entrepreneurs. We or don't just have, don't be an entrepreneur. Or don't. Not everyone is cut out for no. it, right? <laughs> what, adv- what advice would you give young women that are thinking about starting their business? Don't. Uh, don't. Yeah, that's that would be my advice. But if she yeah. really, really wanted to. Then, then I say only if you have to. Only if there is, there's just no logic that will keep you from it because you will go through some really tough times right. and only if you have that drive will you survive right. so so maybe do yourself a favor and just <laughs> stay get with hired. the corporation keep yeah, some he- life maybe. insurance health maybe. insurance you yes. know and stability but yeah i think i think if you try to make sense of being an entrepreneur of starting your own business there's just so much that 
I didn't know when I started it. There was, I'm sure, a lot you didn't know. And you just How keep about everything? A lot, me. you know, a lot. Nothing. And you just figure it out as you go. Nothing, yes. You know, but I was kind of born to do that. I was born to live with the uncertainty and the risk around it. And I'm driven and ambitious enough to just, just keep going. You well, know? I think you've articulated the... Um, entrepreneur. That's a great articulation of it. Yeah. And the people from the outside looking in that maybe aren't entrepreneurs, they say, okay, Donna's got this great company, fabulous fur. Susan's been successful in this real estate career. But there's a lot of stuff on the day-to-day grind and things that go on and the aggravations and the and the people. That, we love it. <laughs> we're just like, let's come back tomorrow you know, and More. do it again. You know, but... Uh, pick me, pick me. Right, right. But, you know, these there are women out there, and I really want them to be successful. I see women, women though, when they start their businesses, I see some of them giving up. That they think I can that... I understand that. That they think yeah. that... Gosh, this is so hard. It must not be hard for everybody else. It must just be hard for oh, yes, me. It is. It's hard for everybody else. Yeah. It's just you got to just persist, right? right? You just right. have to keep coming back if you want to do that. It's well, not easy. My favorite quote is from Churchill, Winston yeah. Churchill, and I'm sure you've heard it many times. Success consists of going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. <laughs> That's you, Susan. I right don't know. There. I've lost my enthusiasm at times, <laughs> and I know you have too, but you've always been so positive. I think one of my favorites of uh, Churchill is, if you can't convince them, confuse them. <laughs> <laughs> I think Churchill I like said that. that. One. If you can't convince them, confuse I like them. That. Donna, you and I share some things in common. One of them is you've admitted to being opinionated. And I wonder how that's Isn't served. everyone? I'm, I'm opinionated too. <laughs> Isn't so everyone you're opinionated? In, not everyone is. Okay. Some people are more vocal about their opinions. Yeah. But how has that served you? How is, has it ever been a negative? Um, being opinionated, have a, having opinions about things? I, I like to have an opinion because I think it means that you're engaged, that, mm-hmm. you know, if you, oh, I don't care either way. Well, hmm, I think that kind of is, is, it tells me that you're not really, you don't care one way or the other. I do. I care. I pretty much care about everything, and it's exhausting. But that's okay. I, mm-hmm. I really do. I love being engaged, and I also love collaboration. So, no, I hope that my opinions don't get in the way. I, You know, I'm working in a company where, you know, eight of us have opinions, and will work out the best way and it won't be my opinion that gets Mm -hmm. the most weight it will be the one that's most logical and will all Mm -hmm. contribute right how do you uh how many people do you have working in the company uh well we ramp up in in our season which Mm -hmm. begins in kind of late august but uh probably right now we're at maybe 50, 55 people. We we are a vertical company. We manufacture in Covington, and that always surprises a lot of people. So in our workroom, we'll have 35 to 45 people on a seasonal basis. And uh, so, and I love that aspect, that we can provide jobs, mm-hmm. feed, help people feed their families and co- provide a career path. Uh, but, you know, we are seasonal, which makes it extra hard to manage because we do, I, I'm not sure of the stat, but I think it's about 80% of our business in about a 
60-day period. So mm-hmm. it is because of the holiday season. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So and when does cold weather hit? Does it hit? I pray for a ice storm in September. Oh, that's great. Is that, that you that's uh, getting these yes, ice storms I'll take coming full in? Credit. I'll take full credit. But, uh, you know, it depends. When does cold weather hit? And it could compress the season into a tighter uh, window mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if cold strikes late. Right. But now that we are have wholesale accounts, like 4,000 wholesale accounts, mm-hmm. Thank God it's cold up in <laughs> Canada <laughs> when we're having, you know, 60-degree weather in November in Cincinnati. So yeah. we've definitely spread the risk by expanding into the wholesale. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, do you uh, entrepreneurs have a reputation of not always delegating easily? Do you delegate easily? Heck no. No, me neither. <laughs> I'm sure you don't either. I don't. <laughs> Only I can do it the right way, right? Perfect work and all that. Yeah. And it's some and and sometimes it's just because I hate to ask people to do this awful stuff that you think it's leading to nothing. At least it'll just be me who suffered over all this data or something. So, no, I'm 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 better. And I mean, the higher the caliber of people that you're working with, the more likely you, you are can trust to delegate to and do say, it. "Oh right. my God, you did it so much better than I could yeah. ever have done it." So, right. so there's that too. Yeah, um, having trusting people to do it, but you really can't grow your business if you don't. No, how stupid how are, are we? Gonna if do, we how are you going to yes. do everything that has to be done by yourself? You've got to delegate. Of course. And you've got to trust that it's done right. right. And if it's not done right, you have to have some system of yes. feedback. I'm like, Correcting what, what was wrong with our process that right. this was mistaken? See, and, you're so logical. <laughs> <laughs> I'm learning. I'm because learning. I've seen it and yes. I I'm realize learning. that I can't do everything. I have to delegate. But you have to trust people to do quality work. We're in a high, highly precision type business and finance so we have to do that and the guys in the office know that you know whenever i say you look we here's a mistake you know what did we need to do next time to make sure it doesn't happen again and it's all around not criticizing them but like our customers expect quality so what do we have to do to change to make sure they do see i'm learning i I, i'm teachable (laughs) (laughs) at this stage you're teachable (laughs) yes yes i am yeah i am too by golly my daughter taught me how to do a really uh cool excel spreadsheet last night and i felt i mean i was so energized because Mm -hmm. i'm not great at excel Mm -hmm. i need uh, some classes and and i mean i find it very energizing to learn of course new things right how do you I think we talked about this. I try to be a student of my industry, and I save up my mm. reading material and read like yeah. Sunday mornings for like two hours. I just catch up on my reading. Yeah, to stay ahead of things. They change. It changes so much. How do you stay ahead of your industry and make sure you're aware of all the trends? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think it's so important. in, in the fickle because of the fickleness of the fashion industry, mm-hmm. coupled with uh, Amazon and the internet and people shopping online. And so all of us at Fabulous Furs, all of us who are watching data and who are creating products, we're constantly, constantly looking at what's going on and reading reports. And just just like you, we have to immerse ourselves in in all the trade publications that, you know, kind of give you a heads up. But when it's all said and done, Mm -hmm. every company is unique and every season is unique. And Mm -hmm. so... Good luck, everyone. Good luck. Yeah. 
What uh, what caused you to s- decide to start uh, Fabulous Bridal, the bridal uh, division? Well, it was not my intention, and I have to say I know very little about bridal, except I do know, I do recognize beautiful things. Mm-hmm. And Fabulous Furs, we've always had a reputation for good service that, okay, first of all, we want to put out the best product possible that, you know, If the Queen of Sweden orders another coat, we want it to be absolutely stunning, just like every other coat. And so we've always had a good reputation for quality. Mm -hmm. And so my husband started the Madison, which is an event facility. And and, uh, Covington was largely empty, the business core. And so he said, I know, we'll create a wedding district We'll open a bridal store. What will we call it? (laughs) We said, well, for lack of a better name, we'll call it Donna Salyer's Fabulous Bridal because at least we have a reputation for a brand. At least we have a reputation Mm -hmm. for service. And so we started Fabulous Bridal. And I I believe it was in uh, 2006 or so, Mm -hmm. but it lives today. And it's a, it's, it's just, we're in the not hall of fame and, you know, it's had every kind of accolade that you can Mm -hmm. imagine just because of customer service and beautiful products because brides need everything. Yeah. They need a full service. Of course. I suppose people come in from all over. Right, to, to visit the bridal studio. Yes, and then they can stay at Hotel Covington. Hotel Covington. <laughs> which is across the street. Hotel. Yeah, wonderful hotel. Thank you. And great Thank you. addition to Covington. Um, what um, you, you said something that really surprised me. I'm in a male-dominated business, and I've experienced, you know, a decent amount of that's not fair, gender bias, sexism throughout my career. Mm-hmm. And you said that you really have not in your industry, in your business, experienced uh, anything that you've seen as gender bias. Maybe it's because I'm the owner, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, but you know, as far as, yeah, as, far as that, banking goes, right. uh, like uh, maybe I think often way back when banks needed more – minority loans to women and i thought mm-hmm. yes <laughs> finally yeah they and, say that but i don't know that yeah. i've seen it in practice that there is the amount of capital available is uh, that right i, for, I don't to, know to, to women-owned businesses i you know i've always said okay we're all entrepreneurs i'm going for it male female whatever right. and your numbers speak for themselves right you you know you'd you know, you show them the numbers, the operating numbers of the company, right. and it's like I woman, don't show man, them the numbers. Guy Van Royen does. He's our CEO. Yes, he, I know Guy. He, you know Guy, and mm-hmm. he married our daughter Amanda, mm-hmm. I believe, in two thousand and four. And thank God, Guy is a numbers person because mm-hmm. I am not a person who could manage a company mm-hmm. because it's so much, by the time you're our size, mm-hmm. it's he has so much to do with finance and moving money and, you know, planning your credit line so that the right. uh, inventory is here when you need it and the money isn't quite right. caught up Right. It's not just about inventory. the product and sales and uh-huh. catalogs. It's, there's a right. lot of numbers right. and things. It's that, equally important. And you're lucky so, to have Guy. He's very good. Oh, my gosh. She's mm-hmm. really, and he loves it. And and so my daughter, he married our daughter Amanda right. Salyers Van mm-hmm. Royen, and uh, and I I always felt badly that so they they we hired them 
to entice them. They were both living in Seattle. We said, come back to Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Come back home, and we'll find jobs for you. Right. Now what will we, what will they do, Jim? And so so Guy became our CEO, and Amanda started a wholesale division okay. because we were strictly consumer based catalog back then. Mm-hmm. And um, thank goodness because she started the wholesale division and she did okay. We have four thousand wholesale accounts. And, Sounds like more than okay. <laughs> yes, and uh, and Guy is a numbers person, mm-hmm. and so he was able to take over the finances that you know I pretty clueless about (laughs) well it sounds like you've got him so but but when they were were starting you know i always said look stay as long as you want i hope you'll stay forever but this is my dream and this is my passion i don't want you to feel that you're saddled by somebody else's job leave when you need to Mm -hmm. but honestly i think they love it as much as i do Mm -hmm. and i'm so grateful for that yeah so gender bias, you, you're you the owner of the company, so you're not going to necessarily see bias within your company. We have a lot more women who work at right, Fabulous yeah. Furs, and, and women tend to be DAP graduates and fashion I people mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But in the warehouse, it takes brawn, yeah. and there's more guys. So Yeah, I understand. So, but there's but, both. But you had said that you, you could say that you might have had bias against being inexperienced. When you didn't have the experience at oh, something, who right? would want to loan money to me? <laughs> I had never heard of a business plan. You've got plan, them lined Susan. up now, I'm sure. They said, <laughs> do you, do you, let's, well, let's see your business plan. And I said, um, I don't have one, but I'll put that on my to-do list. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I didn't know what a business plan looked like. <sighs> so, yes, I, I'm sure people cringed when I asked for money. Yeah. Well, you got it. Thank you got, God. You got what you needed. <laughs> God is good. Yeah, God is good. Um, how would you, uh, what, what kind of legacy would you like to leave? What, how would you like to be remembered? Well, I'm, I'm thrilled that we've saved a few million animals, you know, because mm-hmm. that was my whole point, to, mm-hmm. to be a source of luxury faux fur. There was no such thing 30 years ago. People you know, cringed at the thought of faux fur. So I'm thrilled right. that I could bring uh, faux fur into the luxury arena mm-hmm. because now people like Gucci are no longer doing animal fur, but they have no problem charging $5,000 for a faux fur coat. Faux fur. And so that wow. kind of opens up the market to us. We will have a $1,000 faux fur coat in our uh, Lux collection that debuts in a few months. But uh, so I, I love the fact that, um, you know, just saving a few million animals is a great thing. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that I started a company that um, helped turn around Covington. You know, we fill a block and the building was vacant and, mm-hmm. you know, people have jobs. We pay right. lots of taxes. And and I love the idea that um, you know, I, I don't get excited, honestly, about being a woman-owned business because I've known women all my life who worked. And heck, they worked a lot harder than I did. My grandma, my mom, mm-hmm. not in starting businesses, but... Um, worked very hard at the jobs yeah, they had. At whatever yeah, they had to do. a lot of women. So, So I'm just proud of Fabulous Furs as a group, that we've done what we could, Mm -hmm. and maybe we'll just do it for 30 more years. Yeah, 
Good. Well, I hope to be around to see that. Thank you. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah. I, I would as well. Yeah. I'll, I'll end with uh, just one more question here. If you had to give yourself advice 30 years ago when you were starting Fabulous Furs, knowing what you know now, know, having the wisdom and experience, what would you what would you say to her, the Donna, 30 years ago? I would say, Donna, don't take it so seriously. <laughs> Lighten up. But but if you're like me, you haven't lightened up yet, or maybe a little bit, but do you feel like you've gotten lighter, uh, gotten a little more? Yes, I don't have the energy to be as intense as I did 30 years ago. <laughs> well, there's ago. that. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, finally, you say, look, I do everything I possibly can. If it makes it, good. If it doesn't, I gave it my best shot, and we're right. making it. We're making it, yeah. And you just, uh, as I said on an earlier uh, uh, podcast, lay, we're laying track as we go. We don't really see where we're going, but you just that's lay the great track, analogy. and then that's the a great train analogy. will move where you put the yes, track. Yes, that's a great analogy. So, And have good health. Gosh, yes. I think whatever you can do to be healthy, mm-hmm. because, gosh, if I had had cancer or, or some right. debilitating illness, I just wouldn't have the energy right. to, you know, I used to work 80, do you, do you work 80 I've never hour worked weeks. 80 hour weeks, maybe 70 hour weeks. Yeah. I would get started early and I'd still yeah. be there at 6.30 or 7 and yeah. not taking any breaks. Yeah. And that was just really not you know, not healthy, it's not healthy. to do that. Yeah, it's not you know, healthy. It. I was. I was driven by the work. I mm-hmm. loved. You know, the work and the and all of the client relationships mm-hmm. and doing deals and things. But it. It really wore me out. And I started to take my health really seriously about two years ago. And and uh, have two grandsons, Grayson and Griffin. And um, I realized that I was. You know, pretty significantly overweight. And so I changed my eating habits and. Uh, I was a diabetic, had high blood pressure, I was medicated, I had high cholesterol, I've had four joint replacements, and I don't take any medications anymore, and my health wow. is as close to perfect as it can be your for my age. Your doctor must be so Yeah, impressed. he says, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. This food plan is working for you. I eat six times a day, no sugar. So My hat's off to you. Yeah, it's I, not oh, easy, but my I'm going to live to see, I hope, my grandsons uh, graduate from college get married and god willing god and the creek willing. don't rise yeah, that's right god willing and the creek don't <laughs> well, rise good for you. but today that i'm healthy and that's so awesome. yeah and and i have so much energy i can keep that's going awesome. but i do give myself breaks and rest more yes, than i used to you played golf yesterday didn't you i play tomorrow yeah i play <laughs> okay. tomorrow and i'm right. watching the weather to see, make sure it doesn't yeah. rain but we've had a lot of rain Donna, thanks for joining me today. I just so enjoy your positive energy. Just always have this energy, positive energy that I just love being around. So thanks for coming in here and doing this with me today. Happy to be here. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening today. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review. Follow us on Instagram at Leading She. And visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have many great ideas for women leaders 